recorded live. You know, at the time of uh, recording. You're listening to the Hot Takeout Podcast, the only podcast with a 30 minutes or less guarantee, or it's free. And now your host, Chad Bradley. Can I take your order? So full disclosure, I didn't completely organize this week the best way I possibly could have. My name is Chad, host of the Hot Takeout Podcast. And this podcast is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find your favorite podcast at Spreaker.com forward slash Studio DNA. So I traveled last week, didn't have a great chance to get an artist lined up to interview, long story. But I want you to know, I did have a fantastic conversation with Luke Smallbone from For King and Country a couple of months ago. And uh, it goes some deep places. He gets incredibly personal about his his wife's his struggle with addiction. He even chats about some great places to find hope in the midst of that. And even how their new album came to be, Burn the Ships. So this is just going to be kind of a one-off episode. It's like if there was an episode between the full interview and the extra value episode, this would be that. And because it was technically recorded before the podcast even launched, and without the purpose of, didn't really get a chance to play any fun fast food games. I do ask him about food at the end. So know that's coming. Without further ado, Luke Smallbone from For King and Country. Hey, man, it's Luke here with For King and Country. How you doing? I'm running like one minute early. Can you believe a musician is even capable of doing such? Well, to be honest with you, I, I almost didn't answer the phone. I thought, <laughs> no, this couldn't be right. Uh, but man, th- thanks so much for... Uh, <laughs> Thanks for your punctuality. That's that's uh, that's impressive, man. I'm doing all I can, man. Well, right out of the gate, I want to ask you something about the future. If you quit making music today, what do you have to do tomorrow? Or what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know if it, if it would be uh, this is what I'd be doing tomorrow. But I, I grew up wanting to play sports. And not that I thought that I could be a professional athlete because we all know how slim that is. But I, I did love competing. I loved uh, I love the brotherhood that sports created. I love the mentorship from the coaches, the players. And so I, I didn't know if, if it was one of those things where uh, it would lead to coaching or whatever it might be. But I, I, got, I actually tore my ACL my junior year of high school playing basketball, and that was kind of a, a way of God saying, I don't want you to play sports. So uh, I don't know what I would do. Uh, it's actually funny. I've been thinking about that a little bit, not because I intend on quitting what I'm doing, but just like – man, what would I do? And, and in some cases I joke about, man, I really need a backup plan. I'm not convinced that that's theologically accurate. I think that God just wants this man in the present, in the now. And look, if tomorrow I wake up and, and it's over, then I guess he's got something else for me. And, and I guess I go on that pilgrimage then. Uh, but you know, I have a lot of passions. I have a lot of things that I love to do. And uh, usually that correlates the things that you end up doing if it's not what your current career is. So who knows what it could be, but uh, but I've always loved sports, and, and uh, I just don't find myself doing that for a living now. Life, listen to another life. 
Can I just tell you, front to back, back to front, your new album, Burn the Ships, uh, is is phenomenal. I, I And even more so, like, I've heard you guys tell the story a few times about how the theme for the album came about. But would you do me a favor, just kind of recap that, how you guys came, one, to write that song, but then also write the album? Yeah, well, the album title, Burn the Ships, comes from... Um the story of my, my wife was uh, pregnant with our second son, Phoenix, and uh, she was having kind of debilitating nausea. And so she went to the doctor and they just said, hey, is there anything you can do do about this? And, and they said, yeah, we, you know, here's some medicine and, uh, you know, you should be good. And it only worked for about six weeks before she was back in the, you know, the doctor's office. And they're like, hey, uh, and she's like, it's not working anymore. Is there anything more we can do? And they, they just upped the dosage and, and gave her more. And I was in Austin, Texas, uh, for uh, an event and uh, a concert that night and she called me and, and she was really frantic and just said, hey, I need you to come home. And I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And she said, well, um, I've been taking this medicine and I just can't stop. And so I need you to come home and, and we need to deal with this. And so I, I came home, came in the back door and I see Courtney, my wife, and, and I'm like, you know, you okay? And she's like, I'm okay right now. Uh, but as the night went on, she started saying things like, you know, I, I know I'm not meant to take this medicine anymore, but what if I just take, you know, one more pill just to get me through the night? What if, what if I just, uh, what if we take one more pill and we'll deal with tomorrow when tomorrow comes? And then I could see her hands start to tremble. And, you know, I, I realized at that point that we've got a real uh, situation on our hands. So the next day we, we go to a mental health facility and uh, I was in the waiting room. We were in the waiting room there and there's nobody around, kind of a strange facility. And the nurse comes in and says, Luke, uh, sorry, Courtney, will you come back? And, and we both get up to go. And they looked at me and they said, Luke, you don't get to come. You got to stay here. And, and uh, this is just this is just for Courtney. And there was something about the isolation of that. You know, my wife and I have made, you know, our, our marriage has been about sharing each other's burdens, you know, and, yeah. and we weren't able to do that. And so she comes out, they recommend uh, two weeks of outpatient therapy. And so I would uh, get up in the morning, drop her off at 9 a.m. in the morning, come back and pick her up at 2. And we did that for about two weeks. And she had shown such remarkable improvement that uh, uh, they said, yeah, you don't have to do it. You don't need to come back here anymore. And so uh, I found ourselves at a home, and, and she had this bottle of pills in her hand. And she said, look, I need to go, and I need to go and flush these pills because these pills represent so much shame and so much guilt in my life that I just need to see them leave. And I was reminded of a story about a man who went to explore a new land and when he had arrived at the destination to explore he told all his men hey we're gonna go explore the horizon we're gonna go explore the mountains we're gonna go explore what we haven't seen and he realized at that point that none of his men wanted to follow him they were intimidated by what was what was unseen what was in front of them and so he waited a few days calls him back all to uh, back all onto the shoreline and uh and as soon as he's got every soldier on the shore he says, uh, give the command to his generals to burn the ships. And he says, we won't go back. We won't retreat. We won't live in our past. But we will explore. We will see what's beyond that horizon. We'll see uh, what the future has for us. And I think for my wife, when she took those pills and flushed them, that was, that was her moment of burning the ships. So long to shame. Walk through the sorrow. Out of the fire. Into tomorrow. So flush the pills. Disappear, we're coming clean, we're born again. I hope for lungs 
going to be overly honest, I feel like your new album humanizes humanity, if that makes sense, where you, you guys kind of highlight stuff that people go through every day. Addiction, frustration, anxiety, uh, a whole slew of, of topics that maybe aren't being covered elsewhere. And I just feel like the way you guys have put it together, I don't know, I just feel like you've you've humanized who you are and and who celebrity Christian artists, if that exists, but you've just brought yourself down to earth and made yourselves real humans. And I, I, I don't know, man, I just really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you saying that, man. Look, I'm the most average of humans out there. I'm a very normal person. But <laughs> I, I, one of the things that Joel and I both said about this album was uh, we looked back on the previous albums and we asked ourselves, what was, what was it about these other songs on these other albums that really worked? And what was going on with the ones that maybe didn't work, maybe didn't connect as much. And every song that really connected with people came from a personal story or was actually real to us and something was going on. And so we made a vow that, you know, every song that made this album would have that type of personal connection, would have that type of personal touch. And man, in, in a roundabout way, it's funny when you talk about struggle, the struggles in my life and in my, in, in, you know, between, you know, uh, in marriage and in raising kids and in careers, they've actually most of the time been some of the most beautiful moments of reliance on Jesus. And so it's very difficult for me, actually, when, when people paint a, a, a perfect picture of what might be going on in their lives, because in, in a roundabout way, I'm, I feel sorry for them because I go, man, at that point, if there's nothing going on in your life or there's not some, you know, uh, you know, some of these difficult moments that you're, you're, you're dealing with, then you don't get to see the glory of God the same way. And so I, I think we're trying to attempt to display, uh, yeah, man, this is what I've gone through. This is what I've But here's the, here's, here's what I learned along this journey. Here's what has become super powerful in my life. And I think that sharing your own story, sharing, sharing stories between each other is the reason why God talks about the Bible so much about community is because when you realize that you're not alone, there's something comforting in that. There's something inspiring in there. Yeah, man, you, you nailed it there. Uh, the reality is, unfortunately, that growth doesn't come from a place of comfort. Whether, I mean, think of anything, uh, emotional, physical, spiritual, growth doesn't come from comfort. You're not sitting on the couch and then one day, bam, six-pack abs. <laughs> so what would you say, like, through this whole experience is something that was maybe surprising to you about mental, emotional, health, addiction? Well, I, I wish I could say something like super philosophical and super, you know, impressive, but in a roundabout way, it comes back to transparency, being authentic and being real and, and allowing people into your life. And, and then, yes, there's a risk in that. But most of the time, man, like w what my wife Courtney and I have realized in a lot of these is you talk about some of this stuff and people usually go, oh, yeah, me too. I, I remember when or I've gone through such I've gone through this. And what happens is, is you actually get to know people in a different way. And not, they're not always talking about the exact issue, but they're saying, hey, I went through something like that. And like I said kind of before, I mean, that's where, that's where uh, community comes in, and that's where companionship is at its best. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the greatest things that people can do when they've got problems is, is to share their problems with their friends. I remember a counselor actually saying, uh, you know what would put you know what would put the counseling business out of business? The person was like, "What?" And, and he just said, "If people were really honest about their problems with their friends." And it was like, "Wow, wow!" And so for for me, 
you know, I, I think that a lot of that, and look, I'm not saying that's always the case. I think some people definitely need professional help. And if you do, man, just go. Look, I came home off the road, and the next day we, we were at a mental health facility. And, man, some of the kindest, warmest people there in the world. My wife, I mean, I remember her coming back from a meeting with the psychiatrist. And he was like, hey, uh, we can do this, that, and the other, but you're doing so well. Why don't you just hang in there and just see what happens? I just believe that you're going to be able to, to deal with this without maybe some of these other things and these other options that we have on the table. And, it was, and he was just championing her. He, and he, and I, the last time they met, he sat across uh, the, the table from her, and she said he was just smiling, just so proud. Mm-hmm. He sit there, man. I mean, these people are dealing with hard, hard stuff. Man, there's a lot of people that their life mission is to help. And so allow those people to help. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. But there's a kind of love that God only knows. the top to the bottom everybody deals with something and it's it's not the most commonly talked about subject especially on sunday morning and i feel like shedding a light on it is i don't know it's it's freeing for a lot of people but from your perspective what is something that that people can do because sometimes it's no it's really hard to know how to treat somebody especially that's different because let's be honest different is scary so what what can we do to help come alongside to help someone else that might be struggling and maybe it's ourselves. I mean, I think it's, I think it's being there for people, man, uh, asking how they're doing. And if they don't give you the answer that you're looking for, uh, being okay with that. I also think there's a big temptation when, dude, I do this all the time, but I'm trying to get better from it. But when people present you a problem, uh, trying to fix it all the time. Mm. And sometimes people just need to tell you they're, 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 struggling with this or whatever. And you're just there to, to listen. And, and occasionally uh, there are times when you need to step in and, Hey, how can I help? And maybe that's the question you ask. Hey, how can I help? Do you need, do you need me to do anything or do you just want me to hear? Do you want, do you just want me to, because uh, you know, that's sometimes in those conversations where we ask people how they're doing and they tell us the judgment comes from the response and how we respond. Well, Hey, have you tried doing this? Have you tried doing that? Why are you so anxious? You know, like why, why? And, and all of a sudden you, you, as you're trying to help, you're actually demeaning the problem. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's hard. That's a, that's a hard thing. And so sometimes man, just being there, being very sensitive to what your role in, in actually helping really is. There's a good chance that your role is to do nothing but to hear your buddy, to hear your friend, to hear, your spouse, whatever, whatever it might be. And, and I think that there's a, a real, when, when I think of the Bible, it says, you know, it helped carry each other's burdens together. I don't think that it's necessarily, oh, you got a burden. Okay. I'm going to come and lift that off and just take it away from you. And I'm going to put it in the dumpster. Sometimes it's you just getting alongside on the other side of that thing and, and lifting with, and sometimes it's, you're not always correcting that you're just, you're just, you're there, you're in it with them. That's golden nuggets. You're 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 changing my life today. I tell you what, that's that's just golden. I, I appreciate it. What do you have to eat on the road? Like you're out, you can eat anything you want. 
fast food. What is it? What do you have to have? Is does Chipotle t- account? Because I literally just picked <laughs> up Chipotle and I just finished it before I called you. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that probably has to count. I mean, technically, it's definitely not fine dining. So yeah, I think that's in. That's right. That's right. Thanks for listening. You can find the Hot Takeout podcast pretty much anywhere that you download or listen to podcasts. So while you're there at those places listening, even right now, rate, vote, follow, like even share. Tell other people that you think might like this podcast because that'd be super cool. And then follow on social media. You have a chance to interact with the artist or even suggest artists. Find the Hot Takeout podcast on Facebook by searching the Hot Takeout podcast on Twitter at HTO podcast and then on Instagram at Hot Takeout podcast. Next week, going to have a chance to talk to Stephen Malcolm. If you don't know who he is, well, just listen. I'll be the so no, that's coming and a lot more. So yeah, subscribe. It would be cool. Ah.